A couple months ago, one of my brother priests asked me if uh, he wanted or asked me to go on a diet with him because it's easier to go on a diet with somebody else because then you have somebody to tell how bad you've been doing. Uh, and, and I'll admit, he sent me in a text message, hey, you want to do this thing? And I was busy, didn't really have time to get back to him. And so we just went on and got started on the diet. It was, the diet was called the Whole30 Diet. And I ran into him later, and I was like, he was like, yeah, I got to start on this diet. I'm like, yeah, yeah all, right, all right, I might join you. But tell me, what is this all about? He said, basically, for 30 days, you are to abstain from the, the following things. And I, I just looked him up. So the, this is actually what you have to abstain, abstain from. Dairy, grains, alcohol, that's a tough one, legumes, that's like red beans and, you know, all the green beans and all that other stuff. And like peanuts and stuff, believe it or not, cashews, whatever. Okay, anyway, so back, to, back to this. Legumes, added sugar, MSG, sulfites, and junk food. That's understandable. And so he told me that. He said, like, yeah, well, so the idea is you fast from all this stuff, and then after 30 days, you kind of reintroduce it to your body to see what your body can and can't handle. So it's like a total, utter purge. And so I looked at him. And I said, really? You've been going six, seven days having not had grains, dairy, alcohol? And he said, yeah. I said, are you sure? And he said, yeah. He said, then I, then I told him, then I suppose you're not saying mass then. That shocked him. He no longer does the Whole30 diet. He was very sad. My point being, though, is that he, he can't, you know, how can you abstain from that if you participate in the mass, use grains and alcohol? But I think, like, what he pointed out actually draws into, like, kind of a deeper question. Because the fact of the matter is, across the board, pretty much every diet that has come out, at least since I can remember, whether it's Sugar Busters or whether it's Adkins or Keto or... Metafast or whatever, whatever diet that comes out almost across the board, the one thing that's always demonized are grains, are carbs, is bread. Bread is now known, according to our general culture and according to the culture of di our dietary culture, bread is now known as an empty calorie. It's got these, you know, it's got this stuff, it's got these carbohydrates, but it really doesn't give you quite what you're looking for. If you really want better food, if you really want super food, you need to eat. Things like kale or almonds or avocados, things like that. Not, not bread, though. And I'm not saying, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not saying one way or the other. I can't really weigh in on this fight. I'm just saying this as an observation. And I'm saying this as an observation because it actually applies kind of theologically. Because if we look at it, if bread is such a demonized, criminalized kind of food, then why does God call himself the bread of life? Why does God call himself bread from heaven? Why is, why is the psalm, for instance, you have given us bread, bread from heaven? Why is that bread is such a big deal in scripture? Unlike kind of today. And so how do we reconcile the two? Whereas nowadays it's a little bit more of an empty calorie versus back then it was more of a, it was a life-giving substance. And I think there's three ways to reconcile the difference and the reason why we have bread as the Eucharist. 
why God decided to call himself the bread of life. He could have called himself anything. I mean, he's the creator. He could have just as well called himself the avocado of life or the almond of life or the kale of life. You know, something that would actually give us to be a superfood, but instead he calls himself the bread. And I think there's three reasons to kind of explain why that is. The first one is just a basic scientific reason. Grain. People say, or food scientists say that back then grain looked a lot different. We used to harvest wheat differently, but nowadays we've kind of genetically modified grain in a way that I guess doesn't really yield to very nutritious stuff. And the grain we have now looks radically different from the grain 2,000 years ago. And that in fact the grain 2,000 years ago was nutritious, was good, and was better. I mean, and it could also be that our bodies in and of itself have kind of devolved in our, in our treatment and our stomachs toward grain have kind of gone the way of wisdom teeth. We just kind of can't do it anymore for whatever reason. But my point being is perhaps in the theological context of 2,000 years ago, bread meant something a lot more. But my problem with kind of leaving it there is that all of a sudden it, it kind of trivializes our understanding of these beautiful verses like, I am the bread of life. I am bread from heaven. Is it makes these things look like, okay, that's nice from 2,000 years ago. How does that apply today? So why don't we answer that question? How does that apply today? And I think we have two answers for that. The first reason why God becomes bread today, this day and age, is it reveals God's humility. It reveals his humility. God could have chosen any type of food he wanted, any type to become what he became. But instead he chose the vessel for a sacrifice, not almonds or sweet potatoes or anything else. He chose bread. The one thing that's universal to all cultures across the world. Probably the most accessible food that's not just grown naturally, but that's actually worked on by human hands in existence. And what that does is he shows us that he's even willing to become that. That universal food that although might not be the superfood that maybe an avocado or, or kale is, still nourishes our hearts, still nourishes our souls. That shows us the humility of God. That he's willing to stoop so far down to our level as to become ordinary bread so that we might be saved. But I think there's another reason, one that uh, gets me going a little bit more, and it's, and, it's, and it's this. The fact that God chose bread to be his vessel of sacrifice, the vessel with which he was to redeem the world, is he, it reveals God's plans for us. It reveals God's plans for us. And I say that because there's a lot of similarities between us and bread. I mean... If we, if we look at it from a historical perspective, bread was once really awesome, was once really great, just like mankind. Mankind was the, the pinnacle of existence. We were incredible. We were made in God's image and likeness, and then we came crashing down with the fall. And we see this today. I mean, how corrupt are human beings compared to the rest of the animal kingdom? I mean, think about us. I mean, I know we're, we're products of evolution, but, but let's, aren't aren't humans a little strange? I mean, there's no other being, no other animal in the world that can sin. It doesn't, they don't exist. No other animal in the world that can experience guilt. And there's no other animal in the world that's uncomfortable, 
being naked. Kind of an interesting thing. We require these bandages over our bodies to even exist. We in and of ourselves, we're smart and we have, we have a lot going for us, but in and of ourselves, there's kind of a corruptness to us. There's kind of something that, that doesn't quite fit. There's a contradiction that, that's lived in humanity that makes us seem incomplete. And yet, isn't that kind of like bread? Bread in and of itself, especially this day and age, isn't all that good for you. In fact, many people will say, I went to the doctor the other day, he just straight up said, don't eat bread. And I think that shows, that says a lot about us. On our own, guys, we can't do anything. We can't be great. We can't avoid sin. We can't avoid problems. We can't be content with ourselves. We cannot live forever. But whenever we're united to God, in the same way that bread is united to God on that altar, everything changes. We are restored back to the original greatness that Adam and Eve once had. We become the image and likeness of God. And we become, in a sense, God's ourselves, which is what the scriptures say about us. And I think that's the most compelling reason. That's the real, one of the greatest reasons why God continues to use bread as a vessel for a sacrifice. To reveal to you and to me our destinies. The fact that, yes, while we might not be completely well-composed creatures, in God, we are. In God, we are integrated. In God, we go from mediocre to great. In the same way bread does. So my dear friends, may we always remember that if we, if, if we ever doubt the, or wonder why God became bread, why he became bread, just remember that grain back then was probably a lot different. It also highlights God's humility. And of course, it embodies and it really shows us God's plan for us to turn us from mediocre to truly great, those who live forever. May we approach the Eucharist with such devotion, always remembering that we approach our destiny.